I'm Stephanie Evans, the principal here at Catholic Ladies College, and welcome to our podcast, Raising Resilience. This podcast series has been created to support you on your parenting and caregiver journey, with new episodes coming out every month. It will give you access to the best insights, information, and tips for navigating important issues. I'll now hand you over to your hosts, Liana, CLC's Head of Students, and Brett, CLC's School Counselor. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast, Raising Resilience. I'm one of your hosts, CLC's Head of Students, Liana. And I'm Brad, the Student Counselor. Brad, today we are tackling the topic of school refusal. A very, very difficult topic to start. Yeah. And I will preface this episode by saying, look, we aren't absolute experts on this. There is a variety of different approaches within the literature and what's considered a positive way to deal with school refusal. It is right across the board, something that's very, very difficult to negotiate, especially as parents. And part of understanding that is also recognizing that this is not an isolated problem. This is affecting what they recently figured out in statistics is about 12,000 students across Victoria. It's an incredible figure. And I do want to say that for some, this might be a sensitive topic to listen to because I think navigating this as a parent or as a family can be quite distressing and not knowing what to do is really hard. So look, I hope that maybe we can, you know, at least give one take home message or something. Direct you in the right place to find resources. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. For us, how we classify school refusal here and in education space is that the idea of going to school can cause severe distress for a young person. And so that reluctance can get worse and Mm -hmm. it can get deeper. And so we see this consistent refusal or avoidance of going to school. Absolutely. And so school refusal might also be called school can't or- um, School phobia. Yeah, school phobia. And this is something, it's quite a unique and I suppose experience that has really kind of come to the fore in the last five to 10 years. Yeah. Even way before COVID. Oh, absolutely. Yes. COVID had this incredible ability to mm. exacerbate a lot of problems Definitely. that were kind of seeping through the cracks. Definitely. So now everything's out in the limelight. And, you know, a lot of the students who are experiencing elements of school refusal, at the start, it really does look as though it's that constant state of feeling unwell or being unhappy and it's looking at it in a way where these emotional reactions are becoming quite prominent. They're coming quite intense and consistent. So Mm -hmm. it's natural to ask a lot more questions. And I think we need to be really aware and start looking at how to approach this situation in a way that's touching on it early, as opposed to reacting after there's essentially the fallouts already happened. Yeah. You want to try and be as proactive and preventative as possible. Yeah. I guess some factors to consider when thinking about school refusal, or even maybe assessing whether or not your child is experiencing school refusal can be a whole range of factors. Um, But what sort of we see it being as Anxiety, you know, in in generalised anxiety, it's just this general state of feeling like I just can't go to school. It could be the home environment. It could be that home is a very safe place and that moving out of home, it can be quite distressing. For some, it's that transition from primary school to secondary school, even if they've come with 
friends or they've seen the school and they've been exposed to it, that can be quite debilitating. Yeah. For many, it can be school itself and the yeah. school environment. There's lots of challenges. Yeah, there's a lot with that one that we do see and has become quite prominent, you know, around a lot of students potentially not having the necessary skills to feel in control of their academic experience. Yeah. They may be working through issues in terms of friendships, which could equate to potentially bullying as yeah. well. But then there's also the aspect of looking at learning difficulties as well. So like Leanna was saying, there is a huge amount of factors that need to be considered. And in order to do that, typically one of the best ways is through a team approach. Absolutely. And we really strongly encourage this. And the more that a school knows Mm. about what's going on, the better. And I just want to, I guess, reassure parents at home that if your child is experiencing school refusal, we don't ever want you to feel that you're being judged by the school. And, And the school naturally is going to ask a lot of questions We have a responsibility to look after your child. You're sending them to our community. But the questions that we're asking is to try and support. It's not to judge and it's definitely not to place blame. And I think for many parents, they are reluctant to share the realities of an experience because they feel that it's reflecting their parenting. And more often than not, it's absolutely not. Yeah. I think also we have to give ourselves a little bit more credit. As a society, we have been through a lot of trauma in in the last five years. So much has happened. COVID has played a significant factor in the way that we are adapting to society now. I mean, we as adults struggled with it. So imagining the impact that it's had, and which we won't know for a long time, Mm -hmm. around how it has actually impacted a lot of the girls in a developmental sense, yep. you know, socially emotionally, and emotionally. Um, there's so many factors that definitely. we don't know about just yep. yet and we're still dealing with the fallout. Yeah. yeah. So what contributes to school refusal, it's often not just a single cause. No. Sometimes we see there's been a traumatic event that's happened in life or in infancy stages or at school and then that leads to a phobia of coming to school or avoiding coming to school. It might gradually start to happen or it can happen suddenly. So some signs that parents might see is that your child is complaining of illness Mm -hmm. all the time and, you know, you let them stay home a couple of days and then it just perpetuates into a bigger problem Mm -hmm. and then we get the, I can't get out of bed, I can't go because school for then becomes really scary and they've got that avoidance of getting out of social situations with their peers or situations with their teachers. And we're not talking about, you know, something that happened on Monday, Tuesday I can't go to school because I want to avoid it. I go back to school on mm-hmm. Wednesday. That's not school refusal. No. It might be the start of it. Yeah. And that's probably when we want to try and, you know, intervene. That has the most potential to work towards avoiding. Yeah school refusal behaviours forming because when we can teach them to work through, well, you're dealing with a really challenging situation at school, how can we work together as a team to empower you to find your way to where you feel more in control Mm -hmm. and have a sense of agency in your decision-making where there's not that level of avoidance and that stress and that stigma attached around attending school Because once that idea has the ability to take a stranglehold in the way they think, it's 
coming from, I suppose, my position, it's really hard to pull apart. Yeah. And it takes a lot of layers of a team approach yeah. in order to do that. And it does take time as well. Absolutely. So we know that school refusal can impact learning and development, obviously, because if you're not at school, that's going to impact, you know, your ability to engage with or keep up to date with what's happening. You're missing crucial learning opportunities and there might be gaps in your learning. It can definitely affect friendships because you're missing opportunities to connect with your peers and to strengthen those bonds. For sure. You might see at home lots of crying, yelling, screaming, your child locking themselves in their room or refusing to move, pleading with you. And then the aches and pains. It backs, and it, but it backs you in a corner. Like, yeah. where do you go with that? Do yeah. you be the really the punitive parent that says, no, you're going to school and then you're punishing them? Or do you let them get away with it? And, and then you're in this constant battle within yourself. So I get how it becomes yeah. bigger than, you know, what it could be. And obviously there's a huge impact on families. And, and a, this is something that I think really needs to be understood by parents is that this is a really distressing experience. Yeah. Obviously on the students yep. and not wanting to go to a school, but as parents, it's another huge part that where it can take in a massive emotional toll. You know, I've worked with a lot of them who have daughters who have gone through the school refusal process. You can see how debilitating this is for the whole family. Yeah. Understanding that it's not just a mental health impact, but we're also talking where parents are having to stay home from work. <laughs> yeah. And there's a financial impact on top of that as well, mm. you know, which then creates that added pressure and stress of them trying to consider that. So when there's that additional stress, the tolerance and the willingness to be supportive and patient goes a little bit thin. Yeah. So it then becomes a little bit more strain on the nature of that relationship with the child because we're trying to think and work through these financial difficulties, these psychological difficulties that I'm currently working through, but then I have to navigate my child as well. And it, that leads me to the point of that it can also strain the relationship that you have with school like 100%. as a parent because yep. then, you know, you're frustrated, nothing's working, your child's not getting back to school and you feel like, well, who is helping me? And I get it, like it, it's hard. And But I guess establishing that relationship with school early on mm. And communicating really early on is important yeah. because then we're working in partnership and we're on top of it early. You might find as a parent that maybe school's calling you saying, oh, look, I've noticed that she's been away for a couple of days. Like what's going on? Oh, no, 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 she's fine and that's okay and there's reasons. That might be, you know, an early trigger mm. warning for you. And like I was saying earlier, that is the school's responsibility. And so by the school taking that approach – we're sort of extending a bit of an olive branch to say, look, we're here to help. What can we do? How can we get her back? And and we're all about creating plans or return to school plans yeah. for our students. And and that's always going to look different because everyone's situation is different. Absolutely. And we treat it in that respect because, you know, what I was saying before about this idea of a team approach, sometimes it actually steps out of just the realm of school. Like obviously it's important to have school-based contacts and the family involved working collaboratively with the student. But then they've shown that evidence have actually linked this idea of um, being socially isolated and that feeding into the school refusal concept with actually having really adverse health consequences, yeah. so which have been linked to depression, you know, really poor sleep quality, impaired executive function. There's a lot 
that plays into this as well. So, you know, sometimes that team approach will look at involvement of a GP. It will look at involvement yes. of an external psychologist. Does this go to a pediatrician? You know, are it's these- It's not always just school. Obviously not. Yeah. So, so when we're talking about a team approach, we're not just kind of- confining ourselves to within the realm of school, it sometimes requires a greater sense of it. And one of the things I think, you know, for those families who do have the capacity for NDIS funding as well, there are really positive avenues and supports that you can be linked into um, that can actually aid in supporting that process of whether it be a occupational therapist or a support worker to kind of take a bit of the burden off as parents. It's a lot to carry. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it takes a big emotional toll. So how can our parents support their child mm-hmm. if they're going through school refusal. And I guess there's various different approaches. And I would say probably in my early stages of teaching, I was sort of taught that, well, try to make life at home as unideal as possible. So, you know, disconnect the internet, hide the remote, things like that. That probably doesn't work. Was that all. your experience, Liana? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was never allowed to stay home, so I had to be on my yeah. deathbed to stay home. And look, for some parents and their children, that might actually work because they're just trying to avoid something and that might work. It doesn't work for every situation and it's important to acknowledge that. What I would say to parents is that you need to try to understand the issue from the point of view of your child. You need to have a conversation. You need to gather as much information as possible. Try to pinpoint what are they avoiding. So one way that you can do that is talk with your child and say, okay, if you could change one thing about school, what would it be? That might give you some indicators and clues as to what they're avoiding. Is it the friendships? Is it a particular subject? Is it a teacher? Is it the classroom? Is yeah. it the noise? There's so many factors. Yeah. When you are able to narrow it down, it just gives you so much more insight and ability to work with. And it leads you down different yeah. roads as yeah. well. So that's one way you could do it. If your child finds it difficult to talk and they find it hard to communicate that, you can use a rating system. So if you had to rate parts of your day, so how would you rate the morning? How would you rate recess and lunchtime? How would you rate after lunch? That is important too, because maybe there's a cognitive issue going on. Maybe there's a mental health concern that's probably bigger than what you're imagining that those times of days gives you that sort of information and that's important to relay back to school as well. Look at your home environment. Mm. As I was saying earlier, you know, removing those things, that might be helpful, but what does home look like and what's the communication like as well? The home environment one, again, this is is a really difficult topic to talk about and brings a lot of, you know, I suppose hesitation and reluctancy from a lot of parents because, you know, having – a little bit of insight into what the home environment may look like, maybe a really terrifying experience. Sometimes the idea of creating stability and consistency and safety is sometimes really difficult when there's so many Other factors, factors in play, life yeah. that you are trying to contend with. Yep. So it's it's really normal and natural that at times you may be struggling. That's okay because that is what the importance of working as a team and whether you need 
avenues of different support to figure out, well, how do we start creating that consistency and stability at home in order for my daughter to know that she's got her anchor Mm. at home Yep. and then she can go back and forward between school and feel that level of safety and comfort. That's, as I said, just within the confines of the home environment. Like we said, a lot of the times it is more than just one factor. So trying to pinpoint and pigeonhole it to it's just the home, I have lots of concerns about this. Well, let's have that conversation. It's about kind of stripping back the stigma of talking about it, work together, work collaboratively, bring everyone into the fold that you need to, to make it a really clear plan. This is really crucial when we're um, supporting people who are recovering from trauma as well. You know, a community approach is one of the first things that you need to try and establish. Creating stability in a system of routine Mm. is also highly effective because if you know what to expect and you know what's coming up, then that makes probably getting to school easier. Maybe if your child struggles with the change of the pace and the day and they don't know what's coming up next, maybe it's that, okay, they just need a little bit more clearer communication from their teachers mm. so that they know what is coming up because that can be quite distressing if you don't a, know. A set plan on Correct. like their folder or whatever it might be yes. where they know exactly what they're yeah. going into, pre- yeah. being more predictable. Yeah, but rapport building is also crucial Huge. and it's integral to recovering from trauma. So is there a particular teacher at school that your child feels safe with? Okay, we want to really nurture that relationship. We want to strengthen that. Is that something that you need to say to school? Look, they don't feel safe and they, they're not, you know, they don't have this relationship where they feel like they they trust their teachers. Then that's something that we can actively work on. Yeah, absolutely. These are all things that when you are supporting a person through trauma recovery, other, I guess, the interventions and the strategies that you need to employ. So informing the school of these things is not telling us what to do. It's giving us insight into what we need to do for your child. Absolutely. Understanding that when we are able to work collaboratively, in a way, if we're doing it from an early stage where we're seeing really early signs of these behaviors forming, we don't allow it to gain that stranglehold where I was talking about before, where we prevent it from becoming this entrenched behavior where we're missing half a term, you know? So it's more working on, okay, well, I've noticed this pattern or trend over the last two or three weeks where it's been sporadic, but they're starting to form a pattern. Okay, well, who do I need to get involved to now have conversations and to figure out, well, what do we need to do to help the student feel more in control of her academic experience, what skills do we need to upskill her on to feel more in control of transitioning from home to school, from school to home, you know, looking at all these factors because, you know, I think the idea of school refusal, it's it's, it's a really kind of taboo topic. It's hard to talk about for a while. Oh, it's definitely hard to talk about, but I also was going to say, like, you've touched a lot about, like, the factors and things that you notice, and that is something to consider to help you understand that it's very different from truancy. Absolutely. Like, if your child just doesn't want to go to school because they don't like going to school, like, I just can't be bothered, that's not school refusal. Yeah, correct. There is bigger factors at play. Yeah. I guess an important thing as well to remember is that particularly high school, it's about preparing young people for the workforce. Mm. So in many employment industries, you can't really have more than 10 days off a year. 
yes, no. Well, Otherwise, you won't have a job. <laughs> you know, you've got your sick leave. We're not talking about that. It's like 10 days off a year without sort of explanation. So if there's no explanation for maybe why your child is not going to school for more than those days, that's a big indication. Yeah, yeah. And that's when like, oh, no, we need to step in and yeah. intervene. Yeah. Look, there's also a lot of, I guess, information and resources out there that our parents can engage with. So, Brad, do you want to talk a little bit about those resources? I know you know um, a little bit more about them. Yeah. So, there's a few different avenues in terms of what support for school refusal can look like. We know that the Pavilion School, that's P-A-V-I-L-L-I-O-N, Pavilion School. I think it's just one L, Brad. Is it? Yep. Okay. Thank you, for, Liana, for correcting me. <laughs> English teacher, sorry. <laughs> Amazing. No, thank you. Um, and the Travancore School as yeah, well. Yeah, they've got a lot of great resources. Absolutely. Yep. So on their websites, you can actually gain a lot of information around, you know, fact sheets and information around what constitutes school refusal and what the research says. But then there's also ways to engage with both those schools that if school refusal has become a consistent part of the home environment for yourself about, well, let's get in contact with them to seek out what do we need to do and maybe potentially figuring out a plan Mm. with the supports that those schools do provide. There's also schoolrefusal.com, which is another website that you can look at, which really has lots of resources and people to contact if you were wanting to basically investigate it a little bit further and get some more information. And there was another one. Partners in Parenting. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I guess that's, it's an evidence-based parenting program Mm. that supports parents of teenagers in particular struggling with school refusal. Mm. It's got a lot of great resources and it's a program that you can do yourself as parents. It's self-guided and it's completely online. It might be good to do and then sort of relay that school or the GP and just say, do that program, this is what we've noticed and and what Mm. do we need. To sort of wrap up, it's important to remember that school refusal is very multi-layered and there's bigger things that are going on that is leading towards school refusal. And it probably sometimes is the gateway to uncovering what those issues might be. Yeah. And and remembering that there's a huge level of distress that is experienced by students. They know they want to do better, I know. but sometimes they just feel so out of capacity to control yeah. what is happening around them. So when we add that additional layer of our own personal stress and feelings on top of that, it makes it even more difficult. Yeah, it exacerbates it. But I'm not going to discredit or deny the inherent feeling that it has for parents. Yeah, and parenting through that is it parenting is hard. is just hard. Oh, no, let alone oh my God. navigating these things. So, I get it. you know, that's where I think having a look at the research, it's so important to consider what the team approach looks like. Yeah. Well, who do I need to involve in this process? What type of conversations do I need to have and how do we go about doing this in order to find the best possible outcomes for my child? Yeah. And as we said at the start of our episode, you know, it is somewhat of a a bit of an epidemic in Victoria. There's 12,000 students that are diagnosed with school refusals. So we know that that it's hard. We know that it's an issue. We're here to, to work in partnership. So we just want you to remember that the school is never judging you or your parenting or your family situation. For sure. This is a difficult conversation and and we've sort of just touched and skimmed the surface on it. I will put this out there as well. You know, I'm I'm not a specialist in school refusal. I would never claim to be. But as I said, you know, the more we experience it and the more we kind of work 
collaboratively and together, the more we can find what those kind of evidence-based concrete plans know. Yep through that research that, okay, let's put that moving forward. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brad, for sharing in this conversation yeah, with me. You. And as we said, we hope that for our parents, it provides a little bit of insight and some, and some strategies. So sure. thank you so much for listening. If you've got any topics that you want us to explore or to talk about, we'd love your feedback. So once again, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Raising Resilience with Catholic Ladies College. If you enjoyed this episode, hit follow on your podcast player to receive future episodes. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. And just a reminder, if you need additional support for yourself or your child, you can contact our wellbeing team here at CLC, your child's homeroom teacher or the year level team leader.